The only disability in life is what? A bad attitude. And coming from a young man like that who has experienced tremendous amount of disability, he didn't count that, did he? He says a bad attitude is the only disability. And let me see if I can get all my little stuff out here. Okay. Uh, I got to get as close to you as I can. Okay. All right. Uh, how many of you used your rubber band this past week? Ouch. Several folks told me they broke theirs, you know. Just wore the thing out, you know. But uh, for those who weren't here, I want to get kind of caught up on that. And I really challenge everybody that if you'll wear this rubber band or one similar to it for 21 days, we got one week under our belt so far. we got two more weeks to go. And every time you have a negative thought, pop it. Because that negative thought just slips up so innocently, and we don't even recognize it's there, and then it turns into a negative word, and it turns into negative actions, before we even know, well, where did that come from? So when that negative thought comes in there, we'll just take that little pop. Ooh, I tell you what, after a while, it starts getting sore. I mean, my, my wrist is kind of sore there, and that's not just from the services here. I popped myself a few times this week, unless maybe my wife did it while I was sleeping. I don't know. <laughs> but... Uh, that's important. And what else did we give you last week? A little book. And uh, th this has absolutely been proven, and scientifically proven, not just by a Christian, by, by just non-Christian people. It's just amazing, which I like it coming across that way, that if you will take the time, you know, and I suggest at the end of the day, because you've got more to think about, but at least any time during the day, but at least by the end of the day, take three to five minutes, and just jot down three to five things that you have to be grateful for, that you are thankful for. According to scientists, it will benefit you more than doubling your salary. Now, would it be okay with you if we doubled your salary? No? Oh, yeah, okay. And so I'd like you to prove me wrong. If you will write down on a daily basis the things that you're thankful for, what God has done for you, you know, family, friends, health, whatever it might be, whether, I mean, anything that you acknowledge what you're grateful for, it will benefit you in your life more than doubling your salary. That's just the truth of it. Oh, uh, thank you, for all of you who have uh, invested your time and energy resources to make VBA work. It's so important what we do. And there's a lot of behind the scenes that's been going on for months and months you know, for this week that's before us. And I'll guarantee you, every child who comes to VBA will come to know Christ. They'll have, you know, four to five opportunities every night to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Not just to mention what the, the indoor, outdoor monitors will be sharing with them. They'll have opportunity. And they will come to know Christ. So your investment of time, energy, and resources is not in vain. It isn't. So thank you. Those who are watching online who have been praying, you know, maybe contributed. Those who are here, present, who've been behind the scenes helping to build and 
organize and plan and advertise and all the things, the drama's all been working so hard, the video stuff is going on. Thank you, because it's making an eternal impact in the lives of these kids. Oh, I got something I want to show you. You can come up, Susan. <clears throat> now, if you were here at our our uh, meeting the other night, our VBA volunteers meeting, you've already saw this. But Tabitha Stepinski, she did an awesome, amazing thing. And what it is, she took the T-shirts from the last 20 Vacation Bible Adventures and made a quilt out of it. Here, let's see, which is the front? That's the front there? Okay. And she made this awesome quilt. That's 20, you know, vacation Bible adventures that we've done. We have a t-shirt every year. And she included the back of the t-shirts too. Is that amazing or what? That is phenomenal. So in case I forget, like I've done in every other service, as soon as the services are over, uh, those who are serving in VBA, your T-shirts are available downstairs. And uh, that's a piece of history in the making. It genuinely is. But I appreciate that so much. It just brought so many feelings and emotions that we've experienced over the years back to us. Let me just move my glasses so I don't end up breaking them or something here. Okay. So... The little video clip we showed you, it says the only disability in life is a bad attitude. Nothing else counts. Nothing else counts. All the disabilities that people have and experience don't count. The only real disability that affects you is a bad attitude because you can overcome everything. You can overcome and be successful and prosperous and reach your full potential. You can't, no matter what the, uh, you know, handicap, no, no matter what has happened to you in your past, no, no matter where you was born or how you were or the weather or the finances or the economy, you know, physically, it don't matter. The only disability, the real disability that really matters is a bad attitude. And attitude is what? A choice. And some people, well, you, you don't understand, Pastor Ron. You know, if you had been born and lived in, and not, don't matter. People make choices. They rise up out of that. They rise up and move forward. That's your choice. And we cannot attach ourselves to that and, and, and justify defeat. Well, I've got a bad attitude because. Nope, it's a choice. Just because you fall down don't mean you have to stay down. Is that right? It's a choice. Well, I fell down. Well, get up. You know, let's move forward. God's got some awesome things ahead for you. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. It says, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitude. There must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitude. There must be. And we understand that attitude determines altitude. It determines your spiritual altitude, how close you get to God. It determines your physical altitude, how healthy you will be. It determines your wealth. 
altitude, how wealthy you will be, and it determines your relational altitude, how good the relationships you're going to have with your spouse, with your children, with your brothers and sisters and neighbors and, and your fellow man. Your attitude will determine your altitude in all those things. That's just the truth of it. We've seen that bore out over and over again in the scriptures. <clears throat> so attitude determines your altitude. And attitude is your choice. And the only disability in life is a bad attitude. There's a famous scene in Peter Pan. And Peter is in the children's bedroom. And they've seen him fly. And they wish to fly also. They've tried it from the floor and they've tried it from the beds. And the result is failure. How do you do it, John asked. And Peter answered, you just think lovely, wonderful thoughts. And they lift you up in the air. It's the same as true of a believer. We study this several times where the Bible says whatever is true and lovely and honorable and just and pure and of a good report, think on these things. And we learn to understand, it says in Isaiah, that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. But we can learn his thoughts. We can have God thoughts. Well, we can learn God's ways and, and, and do things his way. We can do that. That's our choice if we want to do so. And with Peter Pan, he said, just think lovely, wonderful thoughts, and they lift you up in the air. <laughs> we can defeat those evil, those negative thoughts that way. The most significant decision you'll ever make is your decision to have a good attitude. Because attitude, good or bad, is your choice. Now, does it ever feel good to have a bad attitude? For just a little bit, it does. For just a little bit. And then it feels lousy after that, you know. But a good attitude feels good all the time, and it benefits you. And it is your choice alone. Nobody cause you to have a bad attitude. Nobody. It's your choice. It's your choice alone if you're going to have a good attitude or a bad attitude. And it's more important than your education. Your attitude is more important than your bankroll. It's more important than your success or your fame. Attitude is more important than all of that. It impacts you in an awesome kind of a way. A good attitude keeps us going. A bad attitude, it cripples our progress. A good attitude fuels our fire and our passion. A bad attitude, it puts out the fire. When attitudes are right, there is no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great. You see, all things are possible to those who believe. And all, those, all things are possible to those who have a good attitude, who have the attitude of Christ. All things are possible. Now, we all go through valleys at times, right? Valleys are inevitable. That's just the way it is. After every mountain ridge, there is a valley. Did you know that? I mean, this is a little bit of a mountain right here. Where am I at? I'm in the valley. So there are valleys. They're inevitable to have valleys in our life. That's just the way life is, you know? There will be some difficulties you know, in life, and there'll be some times of sorrow, 
That is a normal part of life. So don't be surprised at it. But first, uh, John chapter 16, 13, in the Message Bible, it says, I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience, what's that word? Difficulties. But take heart. Other translation says, be of good courage, be of good cheer. I've conquered the world. And when you're in relationship with Christ, because he's conquered it, you conquer it too. Yeah, there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be valleys. But you got to understand, you know, the valley is just only a, a tiny portion of the terrain, if you would. Valleys are also unpredictable. Think about it for a moment. You can't schedule the best time to have a flat tire. You can't schedule the best time to have a, a cold or a toothache. Have you ever had one of those? Flat tire, a cold or a toothache? You didn't schedule for that. It comes at inopportune times, you know? It just happens. Valleys are impartial. You know, you, you really got to understand, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person if you're in a valley. It means that you're a person. Because we all have mountains and we have valleys. They're there. We got to understand that. And valleys, it's really important to remember, they are temporary. Can we say that word one time? Valleys, difficulties are temporary. They have an end to them. Now, where we live, there's a ragged mountain up behind our home, and I've often gone and climbing in those things, you know, and there are several valleys, several valleys, and you can go over a peak and down in a valley, up on a peak, down in a valley, up on a peak, down in a valley, as you cross that little ra uh, mountain range over there. So they are temporary. They genuinely are. And so are the difficulties of life. They are temporary. But let me read you a verse that's probably the most familiar verse that you know of in the Bible, or one of those, and it happens to talk about valleys. And it says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, we know in the King James Bible it talks about the valley of the shadow of death. We've read about that. It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, and it says, even when I walk, what's that next word? Even when I walk through. That means there's a, a beginning to it and there's an end to it. Not that I walk into it and die, but when I walk through the valley, through the difficulty, even when I walk through the darkest valley, this valley is not a dead end, you know, it's a short valley, and when I walk through it, it's temporary. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, <clears throat> for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. God's there for you when you go through difficult times. He's there for us, and they are temporary. They are. We all go through those things. And he said to be of good cheer because he has conquered and overcome. And he's with us. And, and we conquer and overcome as well because we're with him. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 15, 15. It says, for the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the despondent. 
So the definition of despondent, it means depressed, the discouraged, the downcast, the unhappy, the pessimistic, the negative, the cheerless, the hopeless. For, for the despondent, the, the negative, the, the pessimistic, we're talking about those with a, a, a bad attitude, and, and we can't justify where, you know, well, because of. The Bible says, for the despondent, every day brings trouble. Not just trouble occasionally, but for the despondent, every day brings trouble. And we're going to choose our attitude. Some people will try to get you to blame it on somebody else or something else. That don't fly. You can choose a good attitude if you want to. You can choose to be positive if you want to. It's beginning to operate in the supernatural. Oh, it's easy, you know, just to operate in the natural, you know, just to do what comes natural. But it takes effort on our part to begin to operate in the supernatural. So, so it says, for the despondent, every day brings trouble. This is what it says in Proverbs 18, 14. And this is in the easy read version. It says, a good attitude will support you when you are sick. I like the idea of God supporting me when I'm sick. This difficulty will soon pass. It's temporary. A good attitude will support you when you're sick, but if you give up the good attitude, you cling to a losing attitude, nothing can help. That's what he says. Go back to Proverbs 15. 15, it says, For the despondent every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, that's talking about a, a heart you know, this in high spirits, it's talking about a cheerful, a merry heart, a joyful, you know, a very positive heart. It says, for the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Let me see here. And that word feast, it means a celebration. Now, I hope this thing works. Celebration, okay? That's what it says. It says, for a happy heart, life is a continual feast. Life is a continual celebration for the happy heart. For those who have a positive attitude, life is a continual celebration, a continual feast. But it is a choice that we make. We can say, well, she had, he had, they just had all the breaks, and that's why. No, sir, that's not why. You and I can have a continual celebration if we make the right choice to have a good attitude, to have the right attitude. So it says here, let me read it to you, uh, Proverbs 15, again, the first part, it says, for the despondent every day brings trouble. But let me read in the easy read version, the latter part of that verse, it says, but the right attitude can turn it into a what? party. The right attitude is a winning attitude and it turns your trouble into a party. Now would you rather have some trouble today or would you rather have a party today? I kind of like the idea of a party. But it's our choice. If you're going to go gloom and despair and agony on me and you're just going to choose to have a bad attitude and bow it all day long or are you going to choose to rejoice? It is a choice that you will make. Listen to what it says here in Philippians 4, 4 in the Message Bible. It says, celebrate God 
Christmas and Easter. <laughs> so celebrate God when? All day. all day on Christmas and Easter. Oh, wait. Celebrate God all day, every day. That's seven days a week. 365 and a, what is it, a quarter of a day? A year. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, what's that word? Rebel. Rebel. What's that mean? Party. Hardy, too. So celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel, party in him. You go, well, you can't really do this. You can really do that. You ever go to a ball game that your team is winning? What do you do? You cheer. You celebrate, don't you? You're jumping up on your feet and you're hollering and you're shaking your hands and just enthusiasm is just gushing from your body. You're hollering, you're almost crying, you're throwing popcorn. Everybody around you is dancing and jumping and carried on because your team won, right? That's what you do. And, and we can do the same thing. It says celebrate God all day. He's forgiven you of your sins. You're going to heaven. You're not going to hell. You're going to heaven. The blessings of Almighty God have been sent down here to take care of you until we get there. God answers prayer. Well, now, what if you say, well, I don't believe that. Well, then you're not going to get very many prayers answered. But if you do believe that and you've got a positive attitude, a Christ-like attitude, it's going to transform you and change you. So it says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel, party in him. Uh, let me see here. How many of y'all like olives? Woo-hoo, okay, olives. You know what? I had a couple different people buy me some olives yesterday, and some got the, the kind you need this, but this one happens to be the pop top. Who's been messing with my olives? That's what I want to know. Well, let me read this verse. <clears throat> it says in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the, what's that say? The olive crop fails. So don't go buy no olives because the cans are all empty because the olive crops failed. He says, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty, there's no corn, there's no wheat, there's no barley, there's no oats. The, the, there, there's nothing in the fields. The fields lie empty and barren even though the flocks, just talking about all their, their sheep and all, the flocks, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, they died too. I mean, when you're a farmer and you're absolutely dependent upon these crops and the livestock to make a living, you're in pretty sad shape, aren't you? When it's all falling apart like that. But he says in verse 18, he says, Yet I will. Well, we're talking about determination. We're talking about focus here. He says, Yet I will. Will rejoice 
in the Lord. That's supernatural. You've got to understand. That is a Christ-like attitude. That is a positive attitude. When other people are going, what just happened to me? You're going, yet I will. I will. That's what you call willpower. Because he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. It is a choice. It's not based upon circumstances. Circumstances will change. If you want to cave in to a losing attitude of just gloom and despair, it always happens to be this way. No, shake that thing off, man. Step up on top of it. Yet I will rejoice. No matter what happens, yet I will rejoice. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The way in which you endure that which you must endure is more important than the crisis itself. So when you have bad stuff happen to you, the issue is not so much what happened to you, it's how do you respond to it. You got a choice. It'd be positive or negative. You need to complain or rejoice. Complain is natural. Everybody complains when something bad happens, but the men and the women who know the secret they choose to operate in the supernatural. It gets the supernatural working for you. And you choose. I know it all looks bad, but yet I will rejoice. God's in control. Thank him for all the times it was better. Thank him that it's going to get better. Rejoicing. It is a choice that you make, and it will change the circumstances in your life if you grasp a hold of it. I'm telling you a secret that works. Guaranteed to work. 100% if we choose to operate in the supernatural. We choose a good attitude. Well, let me read verse 19 here. Verse 18 says, yet I will rejoice. Verse 19 says, the sovereign Lord is my strength, and he makes me as sure-footed as a deer. Just like those mountain goats that climb on those mountains, he makes me sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Now, let me read this to you out of the Message Bible. Same verse. Now, everything can go wrong, the fig trees, the grapevines, the olives, you know. The fields are empty, all the livestock, all the sheep, everything died, you know, it's empty. It's just loss after loss after loss. And picking up in the Message Bible, verse 18, it says, I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels. Does anybody hear Turn cartwheels. Does anybody know how to turn a cartwheel? Do you know how to do? Okay, those of you who can do a cartwheel, come here. Would y'all please? Seriously. Where's that positive attitude? Come on. Awesome. Wonderful. Just come right up here. We'll move all the obstacles. Okay. Hang on just a second. Move all this stuff out of the way. Come on. Actually, you... No, 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 no. I've got two of you guys. This is awesome. Anybody else want to come? Some folks says, I want to, but my body can't do it. I want to, but I can't. Okay, all right. Oh, we, should we do them at the same time or just one at a time? You can do them at the same time? Okay, let me get out of the way. Okay, let's, 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 let's see what a cartwheel is. Awesome! Give him a grand of applause. 
That's what I'm talking about. Now I wanted you to see what one looked like, okay? Give him another applause. That was courageous. The Bible says when everything has gone wrong, it says in the Message Bible, I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Savior God. You saw what a cartwheel was like? That was enthusiasm. That was excitement. That wasn't gloom and despair and having a pity party. Having cartwheels for God when everything has gone wrong? That's supernatural, you see. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Savior God, counting on God's rule to prevail. I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. And he goes on to say, I feel like I'm king of the mountain. You ever play king of the mountain? You know, even in our, our handouts, that we, you know, you got a guy on the top of the mountain there. You ever been on the top of a mountain? It's like king of the mountain, man. And please take as many of these, take hundreds of them, give them out if you like. But we're talking about this is so unusual to act so enthusiastic when things are difficult, when you've had difficulties in your life. This ain't natural. You're right. It's supernatural. And it starts, it's priming the pump of the supernatural so the supernatural takes place in your life. You just want it to go naturally? I don't think so. You want things to be supernatural. You, you, you want the miraculous to begin to take place in your life. And you prime the pump to make that happen. And he says, I feel like I'm king of the mountain. When life's difficulties have come on my way, I'm doing cartwheels for God. I'm rejoicing. You know, this is absolutely phenomenal, amazing, and that's your choice. You will choose your own attitude. The, really the only disability in life is a bad attitude. And we can choose a good attitude no matter what happens. Now I'm going to read that verse to you one more time out of the Amplified Bible. And it starts here, and we know when all the crops have failed and all the livestock have died and everything can go wrong has gone wrong. And picking up in verse 18, it says, Yet I will rejoice. I will. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult. I will triumph in the victorious God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and my personal bravery, my invincible army. I'm going to tell you something. Without him, I'm in trouble. But I'm not without him. And, and you're not without him. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us. So we can rejoice no matter what's happening because he created it all. He can take care of us. And he goes on to say here, halfway down in verse 19, it says, he makes my feet like hind's feet. That's talking about deer's feet. And will make me to walk, not stand still in terror, not given over to terrorism. He will make me walk, not stand still in terror, but to walk and make, what's that say? Spiritual what? Progress. That's talking about altitude. When we rejoice and are cutting cartwheels, he says he will cause us to make spiritual what? Progress. He'll cause us to make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. Attitude determines our altitude. Even in trouble, in difficult times, he says he'll cause us to make spiritual progress. 
Attitude determines our altitude spiritually, physically, health-wise, wealth-wise, and relationally. You can choose your attitude. You can choose to overcome. You can choose to be victorious if you want to, or you can choose to have a bad attitude and you're choosing a disability that will haunt you and do you only evil for the rest of your life. That's your choice. Or you can choose a good attitude, a Christ-like attitude. The choice is yours. It really is. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, don't you realize that in a race, everyone, win, uh, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to what? Run to win. Keep a winning attitude. As you're running through life, the, 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 the race of faith says run to win. Run to win. Don't run to lose. Run to win. Have a positive Christ-like attitude. It's your choice to do so, you understand. Now, if at first you don't succeed, but what do you do while you're trying? Rejoice! While you're trying and trying again, you're not going, oh, I, I, I just couldn't do it. I'm going to try, but I just don't think I'm going to make it. No. Try, try again with rejoicing. I will rejoice while I try again and try again. I will rejoice. I will have a positive attitude because our thoughts shape our attitude and our attitude determines our altitude. How successful are we going to be in our relationships, our wealth, our health, and how far are we going to go in our relationship with the Almighty God? George Bernard Shaw, he said, the people who get on in this world are the people who get up and look for the circumstances that they want. And if they can't find them, they make them. Is that possible? Well, I don't see the circle. I was hoping for a sunshiny day to go climb that mountain, but it's raining really bad. Well, put a rain jacket on and climb it anyhow. You know. Okay. I didn't know I could do that. Absolutely you can do that. To have a winning attitude, you know, there must be devotion, dedication, commitment, you see, focus to have a winning attitude. And this is an awesome article that I came across. Jan Paderewski was asked by a fellow pianist if he could be ready to play a recital on a short notice. The famous musician replied, I'm always ready. I'm always ready. I have practiced eight hours a day for 40 years. The other pianist said, I wish I had been born with such determination and commitment. Paderewski replied, we are all born with it. I just use mine. You have as much determination as he did. You have as much commitment as he did, but are you using yours? Are you focusing? Are you focusing on the positive? Are you focusing on winning? Or are you focusing on losing? I mean, I really liked his attitude. Now, God wants you and I, he wants us to abound in an awesome, fantastic, wonderful, close relationship with him. That's what he wants us to do. And we can have that if we want it. Listen to what this scripture says in Philippians 3, 13. It says, no, 
Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I'm talking about perfection. I've not achieved perfection. You know, I'm, I'm satisfied with the fact that my sins are washed away, that I, I've experienced genuine salvation, but, but I, I've, I've not obtained where I want to be in my spiritual progress. I mean, don't we all want to get closer to God? Absolutely. You know, we cannot rest on our past accomplishments. You know, some of you might come and say, well, Pastor Ron, you ought to have seen this bass I caught 20 years ago. <laughs> What'd you catch this week? Well, we can't live off past what we did once upon a time a long time ago. And he says, no, dear friends, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. I've not achieved it. But I focus, I focus, I focus on this one thing. And see, where focus goes, energy goes. You focus on catching that fish, your energy goes into catching that fish. You focus on succeeding at something, your energy will flow to succeeding at that. Does that make sense? It's when you're focused, not when you're just all over the place, but when you're focused. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. You know, all the sins and all the failure and all the mistakes, but what else should we forget? All the successes. Because sometimes we're looking, well, let me tell you what I did 20 years ago. What did you do this week? We need to forget the good as well as the bad. Because we need to, what it says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, the good and the bad, and looking forward. Forward looking here. That's determined focus. Forward looking. I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. Are you looking forward to what lies ahead? That's faith when you're looking forward. You're expecting blessings. You're looking forward to the future. That takes a little effort. No, that takes a lot of effort. But it's worth the effort. I choose to rejoice. Other people are crying and boohooing. I choose to rejoice. Other people are just laying down in the mud hole crying. I'm doing cartwheels. I'm making spiritual progress during the troubles, the difficulties that are coming my way. I've made a choice to operate in the supernatural. I've made a choice to have a good attitude, to have a Christ-like attitude. Ann Lander said something that I thought was pretty good. There are really only three types of people. Those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who say, what happened? What happened? <laughs> what kind of person are you? Are you going, what happened? I missed it. What happened? I missed it. Or did you just watch? You were entertained by, oh, did you see what, did you see what happened? Or are you the kind of person who's making things happen? People with a good attitude. People who are focused make things happen. Are you making things happen? You remember in the Bible it talks about this Syrophoenician woman. She was a Gentile woman. Her daughter was possessed with an evil spirit. She was very sick. She was harming herself all the time. And this woman who was a Gentile, and Christ had not come to the Gentiles yet. He came to the Jewish people, and only after the Jews rejected Christ then did the gospel go to the Gentile people. That's just the way it's fulfilling law and all. But she came up and she said, please, Jesus, my daughter is so terribly sick. She's filled with these 
these evil things that throws her and, and tries to hurt her and all this kinds of stuff, and Jesus totally ignored her. And the disciples said, get out of here. You know, leave us. You know, the gospel's not sent to you. She came back. She says, Jesus, please, you got to help me. And then Jesus spoke up. This is in the Bible. Jesus says, it's not proper to take the bread from the children and to give it to the dogs. Now, how would you feel if Jesus called you a dog? Through persistence and humility and for love for her daughter, she says, you're right, Lord. You are right. But even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the children's table. I just need a couple of crumbs for my daughter. And Jesus stopped and says, Woman, according to your faith, be it unto you. She reached past time. She reached into the future and took a hold of the promises of God that weren't poured out to the Gentiles of yet. And she grabbed that promise and she took it back to her daughter. And her daughter was totally instantly healed. Do you see her attitude? That was a winning attitude. It wasn't natural. When someone says something that seems to be an insult and offense to you, you get, wow, you, you act that way. I'm just going to leave here. I, I don't believe anything they say about you no more. No, sirree. She had humility, and she chose a good, a winning attitude, and her daughter benefited by it. Choose a good attitude today. It's your choice. That negative thought comes in, what do we do? Okay. Got rid of that one, you know. They try to sneak in just so innocently looking. That's, that's how they try to get to us. Anyhow, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For every child of God, and if you've welcomed Christ into your life, you are a child of God. It says, for every, every now what percentage is every? 100%. For every child of God defeats this evil world. Everyone, 100%. Every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And it says in the Bible, faith comes by hearing his word. It says we achieve this victory. We defeat the enemy, and we achieve this victory by faith, by believing what God says and acting upon it, Choosing to act in the supernatural. Choosing, I will rejoice. If you go outside in just a little bit and all your tires have been slashed, what are you going to do? You'll rejoice and then change the tires. And Kenny will probably help you. That's, listen, I've said this before. I, I, I hate to use these illustrations because if your tire is flat out there when you go out there, it really wasn't us who did it. But we will help you fix it. Okay, I promise you that. Okay. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament? They, they were slaves. They've been brought into the city, but they were so smart, the king put them in leadership positions. Now, the king had this huge, massive gold statue put out there, and he said, it's a god. And at a certain time of the day, when they play a certain music, everybody was supposed to come out, this awesome theater area. And when the music plays, everybody's supposed to, lay down on the ground and worship this golden image. Thousands of people were doing it, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who believed in the true and only God. And it's kind of hard to hide when thousands of people are laying down on the ground, and you're the only three that's standing. 
So they brought him before the king, said, what's going on here? You probably didn't understand. We'll give you another chance. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, oh, king, we didn't misunderstand. Our God, the living God whom we serve, we can't bow down and worship this golden thing, but the God who we serve, he can deliver us. Because they said, well, if you don't bow down, we're going to throw you in this fiery furnace. He said, our God can deliver us from your fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to serve your golden image. We serve the true and the living God. I mean, what an attitude. So they took those guys. The king said, I want you to go heat the furnace up seven times hotter than it normally is. And the soldiers who were stowing in the wood to heat it up were struck dead because it was so hot, the blast of heat that came out of the furnace. So they put on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's garments, their jackets, their coats, and all their hats, and then they tied ropes around them. And then they threw these three men into the furnace. They did it from a distance. They threw them into the furnace. And the doors left open because they couldn't close. They couldn't get close enough. And the king said, uh, one, two, three. Well, let me count. One, two, three. How many guys did we throw in the furnace? Three. One, two, three. Well, how come there's four guys in there? And they're not bound anymore. The ropes burned off of them. They're still wearing their clothes. And there's, there's a fourth person in there walking around in the furnace, and he looks like the Son of God. And then the king, he said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, would y'all pretty please come out here so we can talk to you guys? And they came out. God was in there with them himself. And the fire did not kindle upon him, only burn the bonds off of them. Because they had an attitude that said, we're not going to serve your God. He's able to deliver us. But if he don't, we're still going to serve him. What an amazing winning attitude that was. That was a choice that they made. Was it an easy choice? No, that was a tough choice. Know what the consequences could be. Listen to what it says in Joshua. Joshua 24, verse 15, it says, But as for me... And my family, we will serve the Lord. That's a winning attitude, and it's always a choice. Nobody can force that attitude on you. It's always a choice. Philippians 3, 14 says, I press on. That's talking about focus here. I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize. I, I'm running to win to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And he's calling you and me, he's calling us to win the race that is set before us. How focused are you? Mark chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus, this is Jesus here as he's looking at this, this rich man, and he says, Jesus felt genuine love for this man as he looked at him. And he said, he said, you lack only one thing, he told him. Go and sell all you have. Give the money to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And then, here's the, here's the highlight. Then come, follow me. Follow me. The creator of the heavens and the earth who made everything, who put the gold and the, the diamonds and the jewels and the oysters and the pearl, he put it all here. He says, you come. Give that stuff away to the poor. Come and live with me and, and follow me. You know, but, but this rich man, he was focused on himself. Now, the disciples had left everything. You know, but this guy was too distracted by all the stuff he had. And it says in verse 20, at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many 
possessions. He chose. And, and people say, well, why, why should he have to give away everything? So you don't understand the thing. You, you don't understand it, see. Let's pick up in verse 28. Then Peter began to speak up. And this is kind of the way it went. It's like, uh, Jesus, um, Jesus, uh, we've given up everything to follow you. You know, you just ask him, but we did it. <laughs> you see that there in verse 28? Peter began to say, we've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive in heaven Verse 30, we'll receive in heaven. What's it say? Now. now. Not in heaven one day. We'll receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with some persecution because everybody's not going to like you talking about Christ. You go, nah, that's not really possible, is it? I want to tell you something. Just for the disciples alone, I'll guarantee you throughout their whole life, while Christ was living and then after he was crucified and risen, when, when any of those disciples came to town, people were going, please, grace our home with your presence. Our home is your home. Please stay with us and may the blessings of God come upon us. Here, the best food that we have, you know, here's your brother and your sister. I'll be your mom and here's your dad and, and we'll care for you. Please come into our home. Can you see how that would work there? But not only in that way, but anything that you would ever need, God will give it to you so you can be generous to the people you're trying to help. And the rich man would not give up the little he had and live with Jesus and see the miracles and the life transformation. And build the relationships across the, the, the borders. If he had only known the other side of the promises, whatever he had given up, Christ would have given him back a hundred times more. But he chose not to. And then he goes on to say, and in the world, the latter part of verse 30, and in the world to come, that person will have what? Eternal life. Verse 31 says, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then when we make it to heaven. And those who seem least important now, they're just behind the scenes. Nobody knows. But they're serving God with focus. They'll be the greatest then. Now listen to what Jesus says to a woman named Martha. Jesus kind of popped in on Martha with his 12 buddies, you know, his disciples, just popped in at the spur of the moment. How would you like us all popping in on you at lunchtime, you know? Just seeing where we're going for lunch. Yeah, I was just thinking somebody might say, come on. Okay. But Jesus, he just popped in on her. And she's kind of fussing because Mary, her sister's not helping. She's there trying to get a meal together for Jesus and his disciples. And Mary's not helping. She's sitting at Jesus' feet just like a sponge is soaking up everything Jesus says. And she's fussing at Jesus about it. And it says, Jesus responds to her and says, there's really only one thing worth being concerned about. He's talking to Martha. 
He says, Mary has discovered it. Mary is focused, you see. And Jesus says, and I won't take it away from her. She had the devotion we were talking about, the dedication and the, the commitment, you know, putting Christ first above all else. And listen to what David says in the Old Testament, in Psalms 27, verse 4. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, David was focused, you see, is to live in the house, which means in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Wholehearted devotion to God, David. That's, that's what I, I desire more than anything else, he says. And then in 2 Corinthians eleven three, 3, it says, but I fear that somehow you will be led away from your pure and simple devotion to Christ. Is it possible to be led away? Is it possible? Is it possible that you can be led away by something that's appealing to your eye? You remember Eve and Adam? They were led away and, and they disobeyed God because something that was appealing to their eye? Remember what the devil said? Oh, look how pretty it is. And Eve took it and took a bite and gave it to Adam and they, because it was pretty looking. Is there anything that could lead you and me astray? Something that could get the attention of our eye and lead us away from God? Absolutely. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. It could happen. And the apostle says, but I fear that somehow you will be led away from your pure and simple devotion to Christ just as Eve was deceived by the serpent. You know, something that appeals to our eye, you know. One of Satan's deadliest tricks, and this is interesting to find out, and it's to distract us, to, to uh, pull us away from doing what God wants to just pursuing all kinds of Good things. Well, I'm involved in doing this is a good thing, and this is a good thing, and this is not necessarily an evil thing, but we're so involved with so many good things, we're not focused on serving God. We don't know how to say, no, we're just doing a lot of good things, but the good things instead of the great things. Well, we got to say no to Christ because we're involved in so many good things. Sometimes. You remember Mary and Martha? You know? Many folks are rendered ineffective because they're involved in too many things and they lack a focus. So this one says in Luke chapter 10, verse 40. It says, But Martha was distracted. This is the verse that precedes the one that we just read. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work, tell her to come and help me. You know what Jesus said? He says, Mary has chosen the best part, and I'll guarantee you if she had just said, move over Mary, and Martha had to just plop down there along with Mary and listen to all the stories that Jesus was telling, there would have been a miracle that would have taken place. You remember how Jesus multiplied the fish and the bread? fed 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish. It was 5,000 men, the Bible says, but plus the wives and their children, probably around 15,000 people with just a handful of bread and fish. You think Jesus could have worked a miracle there? They would have had their, probably their first delivery. Somebody pulled up in a little cart there and said, hey, did anybody order pizza over here? Or something. 
But there wouldn't have been a miracle that had taken place if she'd have gotten her priorities right and put Christ first. But see, she didn't. Okay. Now, we're winding down. We've got just a couple more little goodies to share with you. Uh, in, in Proverbs 17, 22, it says, A cheerful heart, and that's a, a cheerful heart is one that's focused. You know, you don't just accidentally be cheerful. It says, A cheerful heart is good medicine. It's good for your health to be cheerful. It really is. Mary, it's good for your health. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit, you know, when it's gloom and doom, you know, it saps a person's strength. It leaves you bone tired. Now, Charles Dickens, y'all heard Charles Dickens? He said, cheerfulness and contentment are great beautifiers and are famous preservers of good looks. Did you know if you're cheerful, you're going to be a lot better looking than if you're gloomy and sad? Did you know? How many of you care how you look? There's a few honest souls here. <laughs> now, out of everybody who's here, how many of you looked in the mirror before you came to church? More hands went up. You care how you look? Come on. You got your nice new, you know, blouse or shirt or trousers or shoes or makeup, you care how you look, we do, you know? Most of us do, you know? I was out in the mud this past week, and I didn't even wash the mud off my shoes before I got to church today, but I put on my Sunday best. You laughing at me? <laughs> a smile is a very inexpensive way to improve your looks. That's the truth. Just look at your neighbor just the way you normally look. Now put on your biggest smile. Wow, didn't it brighten up in here all of a sudden? You look so much better. People don't even see what you're wearing. When you smile, they like, wow, you're radiant. A smile does help us. You know, some of us need all the help we can get, you know? <laughs> wear a smile and have friends, or wear a scowl and have wrinkles. Your smile is more important than anything else you wear. I believe that. You might as well laugh at yourself once in a while. Everybody else does. Okay, let's move on. If you don't have a sense of humor, you probably don't have any sense at all. Okay. I like that one. Okay. You know, some people grin and bear it. Others smile and change it. And I would challenge you to be the kind of person who even in difficult times to smile and change things by operating in the supernatural, by choosing to rejoice, by choosing to cut cartwheels, by choosing not to give in to the natural, but to go with the supernatural. Choose a positive Christ-like attitude. You remember the Israelite army? They were saying, Goliath, Goliath, this giant, he's too big to fight. He's too big to fight. And David's going, no, no, he's too big to miss. I like David's attitude. Have a positive attitude. Now I'll give you one more verse and we're done on this series. All this, this one verse here alone we could talk about for a month. So I would challenge you to chew on this, to think about it, to meditate on it. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says, for the weapons of our warfare, you, you know we have weapons, right? The Bible says we have a helmet, 
of salvation, sword of the spirit, shield of faith, the breastplate of armor, our loins are about with truth, our feet are shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And when we have the armor, the Bible says we do. It says, for the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, they're not just earthly, but the weapons that we have, they're mighty through God to pulling down of strongholds, strongholds that get in our life, habits that we can't break. But it says the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not a pocket knife or a pistol or, or a slingshot. It says the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to pull down of strongholds and casting down. What's that next word? Imaginations. Do we ever imagine things that are not good or godly? Excuse me? Sure we do. There's imaginations and they may be, may be lustful imaginations. They may be anxious and worried, fearful imaginations, all kinds of imaginations that come in that are contrary to what the Bible says. And it says here, but mighty through God to pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing and thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. These weapons that God's given us and we can bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, the devil, there's a little slot up here in your brain, and the devil puts in there when God's asking you to do something, and this slot that he puts in a little card, and it says, I can't do that, I can't do that. How do we cast that thought down? By taking what God's word says and pushing it in that slot, it's knocking this one out on the ground, and it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Bible tells us to cast down imaginations and thoughts that exalt themselves against God that's contrary to what God says and we can bring every thought into captivity you can have a good attitude you can have God thoughts you can have good thoughts you can be positive you can rejoice when other people are crying you can choose to operate in the supernatural and things will change for you you can choose at the end of the day to write down the little things that you're thankful for that will benefit you more than doubling your salary you can choose. And I'm telling you, the Bible is our armor. It is our sword. It is our shield. And the man or the woman who recognizes that gets familiar with it because the better you get familiar with it, the better you can use it. Is that true? Oh, there's so much to this theme about attitude. But there's only one real, real disability in our life. And what is that? A bad attitude. And we choose our attitude and you will choose your attitude today and tomorrow and the next day choose a good attitude choose to be positive choose to have a christ-like attitude because your attitude determines your altitude spiritually it determines your altitude physically how healthy you will be it determines your altitude concerning your wealth how wealthy you will be it determines your altitude how good your relationship's going to be with your, your wife, your husband, with your children, with your neighbors, your, your siblings, and your, your place at work, wherever it is, it affects, your attitude affects it all. It's the most important thing. Attitude is everything, and it will change your life. So I'm going to encourage you. Uh, let me see here. I'm going to encourage you with our weekly challenge. It ain't much different than it was last week. But if you missed out on it last week or you didn't really follow through, Here's what our weekly challenge says. And if you agree with it, check it off and drop it in the tithe box. It says, continue to snap the rubber band. Ouch. 
when you have a negative thought. And write down several things you are grateful for before you go to bed each night. Simple. It's not hard to ask. Not hard to do. But it'll change your life. Now, if you started last week, we only got two weeks to go to wear it for a van. If you start today, well, you got three weeks to go. You need to wear it for 21 days. When you have a negative thought, snap it. It won't become a negative word. And it won't become a negative action. You're nipping it in the bud. And it will help you become conscious of those negative thoughts that try to slip in on top of us. Okay. Well, I went longer than I suppose. I hope you don't have a bad attitude about it. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you so much for giving us your word. We thank you so much that it builds our faith. It gives us a, an edge. It, it, it reveals to us the secrets. And so we can operate in the supernatural. It teaches us of, of your love and your care for us, your provisions for us. Thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives and you've not abandoned us. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us. Thank you for being there for us in every difficult situation through the valleys. And thank you for bringing us back up onto the mountaintops. Lord, we love you. And we thank you so much for loving us first. As our heads are bowed, would you join me in a simple prayer to reaffirm our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've never really welcomed Christ into your life before. Would you join us as we pray and invite Jesus to be your Savior? Receive his forgiveness. Allow him to write your name in the book of eternal life. Would you pray with us now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And that is why you sent Jesus. And I believe that Jesus died in my place. That he paid for all of my sins and that he rose from the dead. I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door now. And I receive Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I am sorry for my sinful ways. I'm sorry for negative attitudes. Help me to learn positive attitudes. Help me to become more like you. Help me to begin to operate in the supernatural. I expect a miracle. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed with me just now for the first time, would you stop at the desk on your way out and pick up a little gift bag? It's got a Bible in there and some other little goodies that I believe would inspire your faith. And, um, you know, if uh, you need some prayer, the altar area is open. You know, we'll be happy to pray with you, whatever's going on in your life. Let's see, what else is there? Oh, if you're a guest, we have a little gift uh, bag, um, a little gift for you back there, just as one of our ways of saying thank you for coming. We hope you come back next week. We really do. Now, this week, please be praying for us. VBA is in full swing right this minute. It kicks into gear. And uh, we would really appreciate you guys helping us. And who's in charge? Mike? You see Mike over there wearing an orange shirt? Is that orange, Mike? Yeah. Okay. I don't have my glasses on. And uh, he's going to be responsible to get all of our chairs out of here. So if you go, he'll tell you what to do. Get a chair out here. It happened in just a couple minutes. And then for those who can hang around a little bit longer, we're going to bring the bleachers in. God bless you. Oh, don't forget. I already told you. All your T-shirts for the volunteers is downstairs in the uh, cafe downstairs. Go get your T-shirt. 
first, and then come back up and help us do all this other goody stuff. God bless you. You are dismissed. Please be praying for VBA. Invite all the kids. Take all the flyers you want. Give them away. You are dismissed. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you all.